welcome to the Board Shorts podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Cook, and I'm here with another easy to digest dose of valuable board and company director related information designed to help you get on board and thrive in the boardroom. My guest today is a dear friend of mine, Sunita Miranda. Funnily enough, Board Service actually brought us together and our friendship has sustained beyond that particular boardroom. As part of Diversity Month, I wanted to bring Sunita onto the podcast to have her share her experiences in the boardroom and as what we would call a diverse board member. Sunita is a young female of Indian ethnicity with an expertise in marketing and communications. She has served on boards for nearly 13 years, starting, like many of us, in the not-for-profit sector, whilst working full-time and with a young family. Sunita is a testament to sharing your career goals with your partner so that you're all working together, why it's critical as a board member, current or aspiring, to always be educating yourself, and the simple and practical ways a board can approach improving its diversity. I'm so glad to be bringing you this conversation with Sunita. Let's get into it. Thank you so much for being here today, Sunita. It is so nice to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Lisa. I really love your show and looking forward to today. Awesome. Well, let's get into it because I am... So excited, firstly, that I'm having a boardroom insider of the month after such a long period of not having anyone. So thank you for being our boardroom insider of the month for June 2021. Now, there's a set of questions that I ask every boardroom insider of the month, but we're going to go a little bit further than that today, and we're going to talk about diversity you are what most people would call a diverse candidate not only that you're a female but that you have a different cultural background uh, to what we normally see traditionally in the boardroom so we'll get into some of that as well but firstly I'd love to know what was your pathway to the boardroom and how did you get your board roles right so my pathway began about 12 and a half years ago when um, I answered a newspaper ad, would you believe? So hey, hey. Back in the day of still the actual print. <laughs> yeah, so I did uh, an application and I was very interested in getting that role. And it was for a South Australian state-based uh, early education not-for-profit. And I won that role. I think based on my um, lived experience perhaps uh, with a child that attended preschool, Mm-hmm. as well as my interest in governance and my experience with corporate marketing, uh, which got me that role. So that was a time that the organisation was going through growth and looking for opportunities to segue into partnerships. So it just mm. was the right alliance. Perfect. Now, one thing I failed to mention is that another diverse attribute you bring is age you're a lot younger than most people you'd find in the boardroom so if I cast my mind back 12 and a half years ago how would you be interested in governance at such a young age I guess it was because 
I aspired to lead a company one day. Mm -hmm. So for me, I knew that the pathway that I had specialized in, in the operational sense of the term was marketing and promotions, whereas that would not singularly give me the, the, the outlook I needed to, to be a company director or to be a company owner. So I had to think about what I would do to be on the business. And the most you know, plausible answer was to be a board member. Um, although I didn't have any corporate governance um, education at that point, mm -hmm. it allowed me the opportunity to tap into the resources around me and see if I wanted to be that. Mm -hmm. So I think it was a great choice because that many years later, almost 13 years later, I think I've rounded out and become what I would call a leader that understands it from the inside and the outside. So. Mm, that's such a great perspective to have. Um, so how do you see your the professional expertise that you have? Um, firstly, what is it? And then how do you see it benefiting the organisation via the boardroom? Okay, so my training and my skill is in communications. So I've studied communications, journalism, PR and media. And um, that... Uh, that, along with my diverse mindset, if you'd like, uh, has allowed me the opportunity to um, think outside the traditional means, to be mm -hmm. able to go, uh, how well do I position and package and promote this organisation's service or uh, product, and uh, how do we grow it from you know, the current state to the future state? And that's perhaps always been a bit of an interest and a, and a gift, if you'd like, to mm -hmm. be able to do that. And mm -hmm. people have valued it, and as have I. Mm. So thinking about your – can we call 13 years extensive? Not really. Okay. Your shortboard career. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was your biggest challenge to date, and how did you overcome it? Um. Good question, Lisa. I think the biggest challenge was being committed. Mm -hmm. um, as a you know, as a young mum, uh, the the day that I accepted the first board position, my son was only two. Wow. Well, he is now close to sixteen, um, and yeah, it has been it has been a question about commitment and also uh, keeping up with the trends in the industry and the sectors that are represented on the board to be able to say, well, I am really worth the time on the seat, mm -hmm. really. So taking, taking that role really seriously was also um, important. So mm -hmm. I guess in answer, the first thing was commitment. Mm -hmm. So what did that look like then? So that, that looked like, well, there was a child sometimes crying, don't go, when are you back? Um, and I, had, I just had uh, to, to explain I'm going to a boardroom and it's, it's uh, a board meeting. And, and I think till about the age of 10, he thought I was getting really bored in there. Uh. So it's true, it's true. <laughs> Happens sometimes. <laughs> no, but look, having a very supportive partner is also really important. And I've, I've always had that. Um, yeah. Blessed to be able to do both these different trajectories of, of, of my career pretty supported. Yeah, that's great. So you've got to get everyone sort of aligned and behind what your ambitions are, sort of beyond just that here and now work professional role. That's exactly right. And, and you know, some might say volunteerism, right, mm -hmm. is a huge part of their lives. And I think 
you would have that take many shapes and forms. Mm -hmm. One of them, of course, is in a boardroom. Now, not everyone might have the commitment or, in fact, the experience or the mindset for it. Um, but those who do, this is a really fulfilling way to get what you need and to give what you can. Absolutely. Did you have an idea of the level of commitment that was required before you got on to boards? Um, yes and no. So there were some areas that I knew that I would be able to be contributing and be good at it. But mm -hmm. there were also other areas that I knew I had a deficit, right? And I had to I had to learn in those areas and perhaps had to develop my skills to contribute in an effective manner. So, um, for example, financial literacy. Uh, of course, I was financially literate, but it wasn't enough to be able to say this is wrong or mm -hmm. this forecast sounds absurd. Uh, to be able to question financial reports required a diligence that I didn't have back in the day, but I developed that. Yeah. yeah. And that was another piece of commitment. So I had to study, you know, talk to people that could explain it in the way I understood it, mm -hmm. um, which is also very useful. And there have been people that have been so generous with their time and skill. Yeah, I always find that most people are, if you ask them for help, Definitely. are more than willing to help. You've yeah. just got to ask them to begin with so I'm really glad you touched on that but what do you think is a negative aspect about board service that no one talks about um I'm not sure if I've ever encountered a negative service but I have encountered boards that have been loose in the way they govern mm -hmm. and that to me has presented a negative experience if you'd like because yep my commitment level was different to quite a few on those those boards, which I think it plays out very quickly once you're on those committees and those boards, you kind of realise where the commitment sits at. Yeah. And then you know, well, are you wanting to be in this camp or not? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally relate to that. <laughs> but something more positive, what, what do you get personally from serving on boards? Well, I absolutely love engaging with people that can contribute to the bigger picture and I absolutely love the thought leadership the potential of that many ideas mm. the experiences to derive you know inspiration from direction from it's fascinating and it's one of it's one of the uh, the greatest parts of I think my volunteerism you know mm -hmm. I, I really enjoy the stimulation yeah um, and perhaps enjoy also giving back in mm. whatever way I can, you know, in, yeah. in the way I think, in the way I arrive at a solution. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a journey, isn't it? So sometimes you learn and sometimes you don't. From your many years, many short years <laughs> in the board world, from your experience, your exposure to many different boards, to many different people, what do you think? see as the essential skills that most or every board member needs? Well, the most essential one, I think, is to think at the highest level that you can. So mm -hmm. if, you are, um, a, if you are a person that is operating on a board level but thinking on a micro level, you're not in alignment with the role that you hold. So um, I guess... The, the most important thing would be just to be able to think in a strategic manner. 
Yeah. So what does that look like? Do you have an example that comes to mind? Um, well, very simple but high-level examples would be, well, do we want this, this, this organisation to grow? Do we want it to merge? Do we want to sell it? Or do we just keep going? Lots of directions, mm -hmm. but they have to be taken into the right. Well, lots of consideration goes into those decisions and they're not decisions that you would take lightly. No. And of course, one would impact another and, you know, it depends on your long-term and short-term goals anyway. So, mm -hmm. again, if, if you are a bigger picture thinker, you'd probably know where those dots connect into the future mm. and therefore your decision would be based on that future state. Yeah, mm. yeah. But I'm so glad that you said it's not something to enter in lightly. I kind of oftentimes feel like people have this perception that board members are really fast and loose with their decisions, like really significant decisions, particularly when they affect the employee's of the organisation and that board members are fast and loose with their decisions around that, around changes, and it's not the case, right? I wouldn't say so. I mean, just from experience in the last five years, the amount of modelling that goes into just, you know, um, planning, yeah, just the modelling that helps the planning that then um, flows on into actual strategy has been thoughtfully considered has been has been a consultative process. It it, it isn't like you said, and I just said it, it isn't just about, you know, jump into a boardroom, make a decision, say yeah. yay or nay. It's it's simply not that. Absolutely. Far more complex than that. Okay. Wanting to go towards some diversity conversation at Get On Board Australia. We're having a bit of a diversity month. As a diverse person, or that what people would refer to as a diverse person, on many attributes, which is great, what has your experience been in the boardroom primarily around getting on a board and then once you're in the boardroom? To be honest, Lisa, I've really never had any remarkable experience as a person from a diverse background. I think it has always been on, on the basis of merit. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't have that experience naturally, but I can say that I am valued for the experiences and the thought process I bring to it. So I'm pretty confident that the boards that I've represented have valued me as I have valued them. So, you know, I could ask you this question as well, and I say this very, very much on equal footing here. You know, the way that you see me as diverse, I see you as diverse. Mm -hmm. So you bring to me in a boardroom what I bring to you in a boardroom. It's Absolutely. no different. It's Absolutely. really no different. So, you know, the skills like, you know, you would say, well, what's your board skills matrix like? And therefore, yeah. if legal is less, right, you might in your next recruitment drive, you know, yeah. call out, make a call out for a lawyer. Well, in this case, you might say, well, we've got only one particular culture on this board clearly we're lacking some diversity and therefore you would make a call out for that gap and I think that would be appropriate because it brings that level of diversity that I think rounds out the thought process Absolutely. and experiences you know they would bring an international flair yeah that you might not otherwise have considered so absolutely I agree you were preaching to the choir <laughs> <laughs> so what 
knowing that, but knowing that there's also a lot of work that many boards and organisations can do to improve their inclusion, their diversity, what do you feel that is something really simple that boards can do to really bring in and, and latch onto that mindset around the positive benefits that a diverse group of people in the boardroom can bring to the organisation? Well, if you just consider multicultural Australia, you're talking about 27% of the Australian population. Huge. So there you go. If mm. you've got 10 people on a, on a board, you need to then have 2.5 people on that board that needs to represent that group. And the reason why you do that is because you probably want to know your segment better than not. Yeah, well, your competitors. Correct. You want to position yourself strongly yeah. and therefore you'd like to have your representative group on your board to not only be market testing in a way but also be your coaches, your mentors in a way. You want to bring that mix to your board so that you're in the strongest strategic position to make uh, decisions about direction of the company that are relevant to the market that you operate in, which is Australia. And so therefore, diversity is just, it's just the most relevant basis of your board mix. Yeah, yeah. So we're taking it out of this, um, nearly what I feel like is a forced, you must do this because it's quote unquote good yep. or quote unquote the right thing to do. And you're really positioning it as a, a business proposition. Absolutely. It, it's just how you would view any other decision around your strategic Correct. initiatives. Correct. So it's for me as a marketer, I'm, I'm thinking, well, you know, you go where your market is, mm. but what if you bring your market to the board yeah. in a way that is completely representative of where we are and who we here to serve and therefore have the most strategic opportunities. Yeah. Hmm. So what do you think is one thing that a board could do? Just real simple to, to bring in some of that. I don't even want to say that thinking strategically is different thinking in the boardroom because really that's how you should be thinking in the boardroom. Anyway. But you and I know that there are those boards out there that just sort of fall short. Yeah. What's a simple thing? Well... Like I've just said, with the skills matrix that you have for the board, when you're looking for skills, maybe you could have a diversity matrix. Yeah. And then you go, have we got representation from the consumer group? Yep. Um, males and females. Age. Yep. Uh, ability. So are you diverse enough to include people with disability? Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, you've got ethnicities and experiences. So you've got opportunities to kind of go as far and as wide as you wish to. Yeah. Uh, but I guess there is an inherent risk in that because you don't know what you don't know. So you yeah. kind of open up your boardroom to, um, one, the opportunities, but two, also the unknown. Yeah. So I guess... Are you a board that is mature enough to be able to say, well, I want to take that risk because I think we need to grow. We need to mature. We need to evolve into something that's more than just one kind of board. Yeah. 
you know so yeah that's a really good point about maturity as well it is isn't it it's just the confidence perhaps, yeah. perhaps they lack the confidence in knowing what to expect from what from not from the unknown yeah yeah, yeah. embrace it a little bit it's, it's interesting how a board would perhaps sometimes give you an opportunity to have an insight into another experience that you've really never experienced yeah and that's quite powerful absolutely Absolutely. Even just personally, not even any benefit to a business aside, just having that opportunity as a person that you can then take to wherever you go. Totally. That day, the next day, a year into the future. Totally. And in fact, I think my board experiences have so much, have, have helped me so much to round out my leadership skills and just my mm-hmm. knowledge base. So when I bring it back to work and the working environment, it's... It's an advantage yeah, that I would not have otherwise had. So, you know, my recommendation, even to young aspiring leaders, I would say, well, try to get onto boards, try to get onto committees, you know, learn from the ground up, listen, observe, and then when you feel confident enough to contribute, do so. Absolutely. And and value the feedback because that's that's a really important process in self-development as well. So, yes. I love that. So many directions. Firstly, employers encourage your staff to serve on boards. It'll be valuable to you. You also talked about what I would call your voice in the boardroom, having confidence in that. How do you make sure that your voice is heard in the boardroom? I don't think I've ever needed to make sure because while I'm there, I'm a relevant player of the same panel. And so it's equally appreciated. So I've never Mm. had to make sure. I've just had to raise a concern or contribute some feedback. And it has been valued for what it was, um, for what was delivered. Yeah. Yeah. I know that a lot of people, new board members particularly, do struggle with this. What would be something simple that they could do probably to give them the confidence to vocalize when they feel that something's not quite right there's there's definitely ways to address concerns um i guess if they're not confident enough in a boardroom where they feel it's it's swaying too much to one side Mm -hmm. they could always make an appointment to speak with the chair um privately Mm -hmm. have a catch-up you know privately and and voice their concerns and explain why they feel the way they feel and of course, it needs to be justified. You wouldn't be just saying comments. This is really not about commentary. Yes. Um, yeah. So I think that's one of the ways. But more, I think it's about also building your own confidence yep. in your skill. Yeah. And uh, using the right opportunity to say what you have to. Yeah. And yeah. one thing I've noticed, even just personally, is that the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Definitely. And I, I mean, the, the, the value of being on the board is to raise those objections when they present. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, if you are really not part of the checks and balances, you're really not doing too much. You can't always be saying yes, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, the challenges that you bring to those questions, um, I think, are, are really important in developing those checks and balances. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's nearly like 
I would encourage those people who are feeling apprehensive of speaking up is to focus less on yourself and any kind of embarrassment or uncertainty you think might come to you if you say quote unquote the wrong thing and think about the people that you're there on behalf of and and do it for them if you can't do it for yourself do it for someone else that's true yeah all right i want to close off um with a final question that i ask everyone what piece of advice would you give to a new and or aspiring board member Read a lot. Mm-hmm. Listen to um, podcasts like this that Lisa has going. She's got a big smile on her face. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, it's, it's very important to educate yourself before you throw yourself into a career that is quite demanding, but also equally invigorating. Mm. And um, I'd say chat with people that have been on boards before. Take your notebook. Keep a separate notebook, if you'd like, on just your governance learning. Um, subscribe to magazines, you know, subscribe to channels that might teach you more about this career because it is really, um, it has been one of the highlights of my life um, and I greatly value that. So if you make a commitment to a board, make sure you stick to it and give it the best that you can. Yeah, commit follow through thank you so much Sunita it's been such a joy talking to you today same Lisa pleasure being here thanks for having me thank you so much for tuning into this conversation with Sunita if you're looking to connect with Sunita you can find her bio and web links in the show notes on the get on board Australia website if you haven't already I invite you to subscribe rate and review the board shorts podcast on your favorite podcast app And please feel free to share that you're listening and what your takeaways are from this episode on social media using the hashtag BoardShortsPodcast. I look forward to talking with you in the next episode. The BoardShortsPodcast is powered by Get On Board Australia, the destination for aspiring and new board members, helping you to get on board and thrive in the board.